Hey, I'm Russ. And I'm Steve. Growing up in the 80s, we were introduced to video games, movies, and technology that made a lasting impression on us and forever enriched our lives. I think I'm gonna cry! It's been a fascinating journey to be a part of, one that we constantly treasure. Fire! Booty! Our goal is simple. Share our magical moments of discovery and geek out with lovely folks, just like you. Uh, achievement unlocked. So if you crave pixel goodness, memorable moments, and experiences that make your inner child do the happy dance, you've come to the right place. Let's do this! Welcome to Joygasm. <laughs> yeah! Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to Joygasm. My name is Russ, Xbox Live Toaster 360, and with me, as always, Steve, aka Xbox Live Stevevich, as we initiate episode 9 on this May 28th, 2017. What's going on, everybody? Steve? How are you doing? I'm alive, Russ, and uh, that's more than I could say than uh, I was a couple hours ago. Are you alive and well, <laughs> or just alive? I'm just alive. I know I'm living, and um, that's good enough for me. It's good. You check your pulse, and, and <laughs> yeah. you are in fact still still running. <laughs> I wake up and I oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. okay, God, <laughs> two beats. It's gonna be a good day. <laughs> yeah, you were telling me that you had only got like what two hours of sleep last oh, yeah. night. About two hours, right? So, how late were you playing games last night, Steve? Well, um, due to my um, that bug bite. That that gnarly little. Uh, I don't think we really talked about it on the show. I, th I think we kind of well, mentioned Russ, it in a passing, as it were. And uh, you know, it has nothing to do about video games. Although I think I did get bit while playing games. Mm. But uh, yeah, <laughs> some bugs were dining on you <laughs> while you were playing. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, main course, this is good. <laughs> I was just so adrenaline pumped, I didn't notice anything. But uh, yeah, no. So I got bit, and uh, you got it, bit right on the bicep, didn't you? Got right on the bicep, I did. And it uh, it kind of puffed up, oh. and at first it was the size of a quarter, uh -huh. and then it got to be the size of a silver dollar. In between those those stages, did it get you know? Did it have a little bit of a Susan B. Anthony stage? Uh, probably a Susan B. Anthony stage, uh, and it got to be about as red as a cherry. Mm. Was there and a little it, bit of yellow around the outskirts? No. Oh, okay. And then it started to kind of streak down my arm, kind of close to my uh, my armpit. It was looking really <laughs> nasty. I thought I was, was starting. Think of like Tony Stark and Iron Man too when he's when he's the the the, the shrapnel in his chest oh, starting yeah. to affect him. He's starting to get all that 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 black stuff, but uh -huh. it's streaking out. It was like that, except it was red and in my arm. My goodness. And uh, so I've been on antibiotics for the past week. And uh, I have to take them like every six hours. I can't just like let a lot of time go by. Mm -hmm. And uh, so uh, I figured, well, I might as well stay up a little bit later because I'm going to have to wake up anyway and that's going to affect my sleep. So uh, I did go to bed around three. Instead of waking up, I went to bed late. And um, however, 
because of uh, maybe because of the competition and Overwatch. Uh-huh. Uh, Were you playing competitive mode? Yeah. Okay. Um, maybe my adrenaline was just pumped. I thought I you know watched enough boring YouTube and boring Facebook to kind of calm myself down, but my mind was running a hundred miles an hour, and um, I only slept for two hours. Woke up at five, and um, try to go back to sleep after you know, I munched on some some stuff for a bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, got a case of the munchies, and then mixed my mind. My mind never shut down, and plus we had a thunderstorm, and that meant like it's like the lightning was right outside my window. <laughs> I mean, it, it didn't just like the window didn't just flash; it flashed like right in the corner uh-huh. of, of my window. And I even had my my blinds shut, shut and everything, but it didn't matter. Did it feel like the paparazzi was outside your bedroom? Steve? It did. Yeah, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Joy Gasm episode nine, paparazzi everywhere. <laughs> So the success that we've had is simply amazing. <laughs> so anyways, Russ, how about yourself? Well, I actually got a pretty good night's sleep. Uh, my little one actually woke up, uh, I want to say around 4 a.m., but my wife took care of it, my lovely wife. So I was able to sleep in and then I spent time with her. We kind of switched sides. And so I'm feeling sprightly, I got to say. Ah, that's a good word. Yeah. Sprightly. Especially considering we're in the video game ethosphere. Mm-hmm. But yeah, in terms of just playing games and whatnot, I've been playing Injustice 2 mm-hmm. more and more. Um, I've dived more into the multiverse part of it, which is actually quite fun. That's where all the, the different gear and all the accessories I mentioned at the previous episode, that's where you can really... Actually, there's a fun little... It's, it's not really a cheat, but... Um, if you put the game on versus mode and you have two controllers and you just, you just select on their character and of course you win, you get these flawless victories. You actually can accumulate experience points. That's much faster in order to level up your character because mm. each character can get up to like level 20. And that's where like, I think where all the, the best armor suddenly becomes unlocked. Like you can, you can unlock it before you hit level 20, but you can't actually equip it cause you're not there. So it's this fun little thing. I don't know if they're going to like, change that if they're gonna if they're gonna um, update it with a patch and so you can't do it so right now I'm, I'm desperately trying to get through as much of that as possible because i'm cheap like that um i'm even cheaper than you though russ <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, i completely understand um but yeah i i uh i also discovered in the multiverse they, there is this planet and actually i'm gonna tell this to all the listeners too because there are folks i'm sure who are out there who are not aware of this but when you go into multiverse, there are all these different planets and each planet has kind of a, a real time countdown timer as to how long they last. Um, so like, like for you being a, an overwatch fan, think of it as like, like timed events before they go away, like the loot boxes. But in this situation, it's some of them are longer. Some of them are shorter. Some of them only last a day. Some of them only last like hours. Like it's like mm. you'll be playing all of a sudden one comes up and then they'll have a, a variety of different types of rewards and stuff that you can get. But what was interesting was that there is a planet called the Battle Simulator, and it's it's on the right-hand side. It's always there. And at first, I thought it was just like kind of like a planet where you can train yourself. You can just practice your moves and that sort of thing. Well, actually, it's just like the Mortal Kombat tower feature. Like if you play Mortal Kombat X, they, they have like kind of the traditional arcade style where you see that like stone tower with all the chiseled characters and like you know as you beat each one it it slowly the camera rises to the next level next tier next tier you know that sort of thing until you finally to the top 
it's very similar to that. And you get character endings. Like if you if you choose oh, a character, yeah. you go all the way to the. I would hope so, Russ. Well, I I was not expecting the the character endings to exist in the battle simulator. Like I was thinking, oh, that would be part of story mode, or mm-hmm. there would be some sort of arcade mode, um, something to that effect. And um, so I got the Batman ending. I'm working on the Harley Quinn ending right now, and. Um, I think even IGN has an article they, they posted recently where they posted like all the endings, but I didn't want to watch them. I was like, okay, I'm going to earn my way up there because I got to, you know, level up my characters anyway and unlock gear and stuff. But it's actually kind of cool in terms of the replayability because then after finishing the story mode, now I have something else that I'm just enjoying playing and I can, you know, get more and more experience with it. And I'm happy to report to you, Steve. Mm-hmm. I'm getting a little bit better at Batman. So we're doing the combos and stuff. I started memorizing more and more of it. And on top of that, the armor that you unlock will also unlock other types of abilities. Not There's not like a ton of them, but in terms of being able to like, you know, knock a character from um, one section of like the fighting map into another section entirely. Well, I, my understanding is, is that it's dependent upon what kind of gear you have selected or how strong you are, because it does affect your attributes. You look at it and it says like strength plus two twenty or something like that. So, um, yeah, uh, that's what I've been playing. Other than that, I've been playing overwatch and just before this, this broadcast, as you watched, I was, <laughs> there's like one hour left of competitive play. And like, I really have not been playing competitive play at all. I've been doing a lot of capture the flag. I've been doing a lot of quick play, that sort of thing. And so I thought, oh, I'll just try and get through all this. And, and that way I'll, I'll have a, a 10 match completion under my belt to see what happens. And it is just falling apart. I think I've only won twice. And then like, I think I've lost like four times and there was like one tie in there. I, I, something like that. It's just awful. So I, I have like one match left to go before like the, the completion. It's almost kind of futile at this point. So I don't know if I'll just wait and just go into the, the next season fresh or if, if I'm a glutton for punishment and keep going. Yeah, there's nothing more humbling to win like 10 matches in a row and then your score falls down. And you're like, oh, I, I thought I was really good. And you might be, but everybody else is just a one-man army. Oh, yeah. Pushing forward and getting slaughtered and that doesn't leave you much to work with. Typically in the past, like when I'm going through one of the competitive seasons, when they're doing the whole ranking part of it, where you're playing the first 10 matches, I, I mean, it's like, it's like win, loss, win, loss, win, win, loss, loss, win, loss, win, whatever, you know, and I'm by no means any like amazing Overwatch player. I just really right. enjoy playing the game. I'm just happy to be here, you know? <laughs> uh, so yeah, it, it's it's a big... You're happy to be here. I'm just happy to get some sleep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll give you a a little EpiPen. I'll give you like a little adrenaline boost right there if you need it. Or just give me a, a bottle of something tonight and then I'll just pass out, You'll just get pass like out again. You'll just pass out wake up tomorrow all fresh-eyed and bushy-tailed. Yeah, exactly. Um, what about you? What, have you been playing anything else aside from Overwatch? Uh, nothing beyond the, the regular stuff. Clash of Clans, Clash Royale. Are you dominating, Steve? Nah. Uh, oh, that nah, doesn't sound too confident. I don't, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm dominating. Um, Clash of Clans just launched a new kind of side game within itself. Uh-huh. And... Instead of you're still you're still battling somebody else, but it's almost a mix of both of their games, Royale and Clans. Uh-huh. 
because you can't steal loot from the person who you're fighting their little base. Sure. Um, you do win loot, but you don't steal it. Um, and you can't go searching for another opponent to, to, to compete against. All you're doing is, is it, the, the, the system selects it for you and you fight them. And if you uh, cause more destruction on their side than they do on your side, then you win some loot and you kind of build up. So uh, it's kind of a combination between both games. I'm not really sure why they did it, to be honest, but uh, <laughs> something else to do in the game. So yeah, whatever. So it's another reason for people to buy gems and pay for stuff. What are you going to do? Which which one do you like more? Do you like the Clash Royale or Clash of Clans? Uh they're 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 both pretty equal in their own right. I think I I play Clash Royale more. Mm-hmm. Um just because it's more interactive. I mean Clash of Clans, like if I battle you, mm-hmm. you just have to watch my attack and there's nothing you can do. Yeah. You can hit revenge afterward and then attack me, but then all revenge. I have to do is watch you decimate my base. There's nothing I can do. Clash Royale, we're, we're both doing stuff at the same time. Yeah. So yeah. that's more interactive and I think that's a little more fun. But uh, then again, there's more to upgrade in Clash of Clans. There's more community in Clash of Clans. So Now, which one is it that is constantly blowing your phone up? Um, oh, with all the text messages? Yeah, we're like, where are you, Steve? I you know, need that's, you. That's we're going to die. Do you understand? <laughs> that's, that's Clash of Clans. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Leave me alone. I'm trying to sleep. <laughs> yeah, no, that's what happened this morning. Part of which. I was trying to like just get a little bit more sleep, and then my phone, I think I looked at it, I had like 26 messages. Uh, 26? Uh, uh, yeah. This, the whole entire thread blew up. They just they they just can't survive without their. Steelage. Well, it wasn't like it was all directed at me. Oh, okay. I mean, I'm just, just part of like the texting thread, <laughs> and so there's about five or six people all texting, and so you know, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Some a lot of people got to respond, and so my phone just keeps blowing up. Sure, sure. <clears throat> what, what about uh, Overwatch? How how was? I I know I play Capture the Flag with you, but you've been really getting into the competitive mode, right? Well, the competitive mode. Um, the, the thing I like about competitive mode other than you know, winning <laughs> winning is that you get a lot of experience for it. And so more experience means you jump a level. How many you jump like a level you on get average? A, how a much would box. you get? Um, if I mean, I would get like four to four to 6,000. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, a competitive mode, you're, you're doing, um, maybe three or four matches in a row. Mm-hmm. So you, it compounds itself on, on all the experience that you would get as far as uh, going to quick play and having to go back and forth with that. Sure. And waiting through matchmaking and skirmishing and all that. This is just a big block of um, continued bouts, if you will. Uh-huh. And uh, so, yeah, I could, I could get almost, you know, a quarter of uh, a level up in one sitting. So, and the thing is, too, with, com- with competitive is typically it helps to weed out the bad players from the good players mm-hmm. or the people who really do want to play the game uh, in more a, seriously, more seriously in a team based scenario uh-huh. um, than people who just want to go out there and shoot a bunch of stuff up. So, um, <laughs> and those are the people who I, I try to make friends with because, you know, sometimes they want to do quick play. Sometimes they want to do the promotion event. Sometimes they want to do ca- capture the flag, but at least I know that we're on the same page. Yeah. Yeah. So, do you have any other funny stories? I know Actually, the last one you had was pretty good. Um, yeah, 
no, this, I had one where I was playing Mercy. I love playing Mercy. And we were getting our butts handed to us. And here uh, is your butt on a silver platter. I think we were in, yeah, we were in King's Row and we were on the uh, attacking side. Okay. And so I'm doing my best and with, with that first choke point. Mm-hmm. And we thought <laughs> we ended up losing, but we, we didn't think we were actually going to get the payload to start its course. <laughs> and there was only one guy left and the rest of the team died. And I was running as fast as I could to get over there. Which character I, were you? I was Mercy. You're Mercy. Okay. And I had my ultimate ready. And the guy on the mic is going, oh, great. Yeah, man, we're so close. We're going to lose. Oh, we're going to lose. And I, I had the target on, on the reticule uh-huh. where, where the person, um, you know, had, 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 had died. Yeah. And so I um, flew towards them. And right as I got there, I mean, it was like one second away. Uh-huh. I, I mean, maybe two, but just one second away. And I hit the ultimate and raised five people all at once. Nice. <laughs> people in the mic are going, oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> and so um, we were all, you know, we, we decimated the team there. Um, and then we, you know, obviously put it into, into overtime, mm-hmm. got the payload, but the other team, you know, came back with a vengeance and ended up slaughtering us. But. Um, you always get the vocal players. Like every time I play on there, there's everyone's just quiet. Like I'll even put my headset on and, yeah. and I'll just say, Hey, how's everybody going? And, and or how's yeah. everybody doing? And, uh, there's just nothing. Well, sometimes what people do, and I found myself doing this a couple of times too, is I'll click the button to be on the chat Join, Yeah. The left bumper to join yeah. the te- team chat. Yeah. And, but I won't have my headset on, but I want to hear yeah. what, what, I mean, maybe I don't want people yelling in my ear all the time. Um, but as long as I can hear the chatter, then I know what's happening in the, in, in the arena. Uh-huh. So I think other people do may do that too. Um, because there's times when either I've said something like, Hey, Reinhardt, you know, can you go out in front or mm-hmm. everybody watch out for the Hanzo that's on the, uh, the pillar over there. Um, and then people go acknowledged or, Oh, something okay. Like that. So yeah. they'll, they will hear you and, and, um, coincidentally do what you ask them to do. So yeah. that, that might be what you're experiencing as well. That is true. Uh, there have been a handful of times now that you mention it where I will say something like, like for even like, well, for instance, when I say, Hey, how's everybody doing? And like, there'll be someone playing junk rat or something. And he's like, I don't come now yeah. or whatever he <laughs> yeah. says. So, well, cool. Anything else you've been playing or that's about it. Right? All right. I, Want to talk a little bit about Overwatch's anniversary loot that we've accumulated thus far, Steve. Okay, Rush. For me, so far, I have been able to unlock the Tracer legendary skin, the Symmetra legendary skin, and the May legendary skin, all three of which I really do like. I've I've equipped all three of them. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm trying to to pursue the, the D.Va legendary skin because that one is just... Really, really cool. And actually, have you seen Soldier 76's legendary yeah. skin? Cyborg. Cyborg, yeah. yeah. I think I remember we were talking about like what kind of skins would they have? Would it, would they have any love for Soldier 76? What did you what do you think of that that skin? Uh I like it. I, I think well I, I do like it. I like it. I want it. Um it's definitely better than just like a color change on yeah. his jacket, right? True, true. Um one thing that's common or prevalent in the game is uh, certain characters have different 
cyborg parts of their body. Yeah. You know, Torbjorn has his arm, or someone might have a leg, or you know, both arms. That's yeah, I mean, the running you, theme. That's the kind game. of the running theme. So, um, I mean, tons of characters have it. I think nearly the majority of them have it. So, that to see Soldier Seventy Six. Sorry, I just popped my wrist. In yeah, the I know. <laughs> Stop it, Russ. I'm trying <laughs> to say something. I broke my bone. Your cracking is interrupting me. Sorry, it's a pet peeve. <laughs> I don't like being interrupted. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but the way they did him was in a different suit than the uh, the rest of everybody else's cyborg parts. Yeah, you know, he does look vastly different as far as like both like his his uh, like feet, for example, are. Uh, like these, uh, you know, prosthetic, um, you know, spring-loaded kind of feet. Uh-huh. Um, not just a, 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 a metal arm or a metal leg or something like that. Right. I like it. I think the the, the feet are kind of reminiscent of some of the, um, oh, what are they called? It's a lot of our uh, troops who've come back from fighting um, overseas and whatnot have gotten prosthetic legs or some of those legs that, that just look, I mean, they're not like cyborg legs, but they have kind of that that look to them. Right. And I was trying to think of the name, but I'm glad they incorporated that look into him. Yeah. I thought that that was really cool. Like, like I could totally see people who have um, served in the military who who are now, you know, since then retired from the, the military lifestyle and everything else, they've returned to civilian lifestyle. And like, I don't know. I think that, that, that was a, an intentional move. On that, because I mean, even even though I've never served, I mean, I looked at that, I thought, oh, the hell, that's pretty cool, right? So, and I like the orange. the The orange color seems to be kind of a running theme with a lot of legendary characters, whether it's Bastion or Soldier seventy six or Hanzo, yeah, um, like or even May. May also has is orange, and Symmetra has have like a somewhat of an orange trim. Well, Symmetra has more of like a kind of a bluish aqua right. well, teal for the most part, thing but like, going. But like an orange trim around some of that. I'd have to look at it again. Uh, I don't see if I can look it up here. Why you doing? I really do love Symmetra's legendary skin, though. I'm really pleased with what they've done with these skins. They, they essentially addressed, I think, just about every character that you and I were talking about, how there's not enough love or attention given to uh, the skins and whatnot. I'm trying to think of, uh, yeah, I, Hanzo is another one that I, I would love to try and get. So I'm not sure how long the anniversary feature lasts. I think it goes into the middle of June. I think it's June 13th. Okay. <clears throat> the good news is too, is that I've been saving up my, my gamer credits. And so I figure I'll just keep playing, keep grinding away and see what I get in each loot box. And then toward the end when I'm, it's about to go away. Then I'll just start spending and get the the, the leftover skins that I, I still haven't acquired yet. Yeah, she's got a little bit of well, not much. It's more like a gold. Let's take a little. Yeah, yeah. It's more of that blue aqua. Then she's got the gold trim. It's a sweet outfit for her. Yeah, I mean, like just that is epic looking. Yeah, I was pretty excited to get that when I opened the loot box. You no, know who hasn't got a new outfit in a while is Junkrat. Uh, well, no, Junkrat got one during Chinese New Year. He did? Yeah, I actually unlocked well, I know it. he got some other stuff, but I forgot what kind of suit that he had. Yeah, no, he had uh, more of a kind of like the, the, the traditional Chinese red colored motif. And like he had a bunch of like firecrackers all along his suspenders and stuff. Mm. And he even had a, uh, an emote. I, one well, I, remember two the, emotes. I remember the emote, yeah. Yeah. 
in, and that seems that seems to be kind of the, the the ongoing thing is like every time there's a a new, I keep calling it feature, but like every time there is something like that that goes on, they kind of take a a handful of characters and rotate them in and out. Yeah, I'm still surprised that the for the anniversary edition they didn't have a new skin for each one of the characters. I mean, that, that's yeah. a pretty big yeah. deal. I was thinking they would. Uh, I mean, I think a lot of them did get an extra. Or, well, all of them got a new emote, but I thought they were going to do an extra skin for everybody. Yeah, I think everyone got a Halloween skin, if I'm not mistaken, or or, yes. or, or a Halloween uh, victory pose. Well, yeah, everyone got a Halloween victory pose. I think a lot. I don't know if all of them had it, I, but I do think that there were quite a few. Quite a few. Yeah, I, th- I don't think Winston had a Halloween. No, um, but most of the characters did. Yeah, a lot of them did, and also just for the the winter season as well. Like they, uh, I think there were quite a few characters that had skins that were. You know, geared toward the whole Christmas theme. By the way, did you see Bastion's, um, you know, he has the new Doom Buggy skin. The Doom Buggy skin? He has the Doom Buggy skin. You know, he has the, he looks more kind of off-road-ish. Oh, right. Okay. But if you arrow over, so you see like his gun or his, um, or his Gatling Mm -hmm. uh, position or what it looks like in that way, or his tank position, the tank he looks like a little doom buggy with a big turret on it. Really? Yeah. Because all the other skins, he has his the the, the treads. Yeah, yeah. That go around because uh, he's a tank. Yeah. Um, this one it has he's literally like, a tank. Yeah. <laughs> um, this one he has like just off road tires. Oh, so okay. it's kind of neat, kind of a cool little touch. Now is that the one that just came out yeah, for yeah. the anniversary? Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. I'll have to take a look at that again. That is pretty cool. So which which legendary skins have you unlocked? Um, if any. I, I just got the Lucio one. Um, I got a couple um, dances. I got uh, the Genji uh, Muddy Morphin Power Ranger costume. <laughs> That's right. I remember you um, said that before. I thought I got one more, but I, I forgot which one I got. I haven't really gotten any of the dancing ones. I think I may have gotten one, but they're actually the dancing emotes are... Right pretty entertaining as yeah. well like I, there are a couple where it's like take or leave but most of them i'm just like all right yeah i hope i get that one yeah there was another game that i forgot to mention last week i was uh on location doing a, a production shoot and the place that we were shooting at the guy had this whole setup where um he had a lot of more of the retro games from the past that he just he had all set up on he had this like sweet entertainment center and the game that was on his screen was Michael Jackson's Moonwalker. <laughs> and I went over Classic. to the owner of the house. I was like, you have got to let me, pl-. like I, I, I turned to my team because we, we were, we were kind of in the middle of like, just we we're having a you know break. We weren't actually like shooting at that point. I'm like, I have got, do you mind if I try this? And he, and he was totally gracious. Like, Oh yeah, here, here's your controller. Here you go. Talk about blast Man. from the freaking past, dude. That I mean, was that was a cartridge too, and they put all Michael Jackson's yes. music on it, man. Yes, for the Sega Genesis, man. Like that, I think that title came out like back in nineteen was either nineteen eighty nine or nineteen ninety. It was in the nineties for sure. I, it was just, it's, it's it was just one of those moments where like. You're you're reliving a part of like your childhood, which sounds kind of creepy because it's Michael Jackson, but 
<laughs> but still, like, like, just seen my childhood. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, Russ, remember when uh, you were playing that game, and then our parents would have company over. Okay, and that was like one of the only times uh, Dad goes, "Hey, hey, Russ, hey, show, show him, or, you know, Bob, Bill, or whoever yeah. it was, you know, show him that game. We'll, we'll do the dance thing." And so then you would get like all the, you know, the smooth criminal uh, bar All the gangster scene, guys. All the gangster guys, you yeah. know, and then you would, you you'd flip up your hat or whatever. And, and <laughs> the whole dance thing. And there was like 16 or 20 different guys yeah. doing that whole dance sequence. <laughs> they would turn the music up so loud. And oh, let, let me tell you, that game has not aged gracefully. It's, um, well, for, okay, first and foremost, I, I probably should probably tell everybody, like, I'm a huge Michael Jackson fan. I absolutely love the majority of his work. I think his, his more later works were not as good as his older stuff, but I just absolutely love Michael Jackson. And that game was, I mean, I played the crap out of that game. I played it so much. Yes, and I remember did. thinking that it was so cool. Like, the animation was so fluid. Like, just him walking around and, like, you know, you, you could, like, learn how to moonwalk in there yeah. if you wanted to. And, of course, you know, you you have to go rescue the children, which they are, were, like, the same kid over yeah, and over. It was, it, was, it was literally Michael! it was literally Annie with the little <laughs> teddy bear. Michael! Yeah. You're like, freaking hey, Annie. And stop getting lost. Yeah. Um, go back to your parents Annie, already. Are you okay again? Yeah. Um, <laughs> don't forget your weapon, Russ. Well, it was just shooting out like little, little stars, stars from my hands That's and my right. feet. Although you could you could kick uh, if you wanted to. You you could do that that like tr- like signature but smooth criminal kick. It was but it was from like that that old Billy Jean video where he's going yeah and those yeah. little animated stars come uh-huh. out. That's what his weapon was or like you could like jump and do like the smooth criminal thing where like he like does the the pointy thing with his two he's doing make, he makes like the gun pointy sign with right. one arm and then yeah. he like holds his hat with the other one he's like Woo! <laughs> <laughs> I remember that and it was just, oh man it was so fun to see the game again because once again, it was just a, a reminder of how far we've come with games. Like you look at it now and like the levels are not large at all. And you look at the animations. The, these are basically repeating animated GIFs. Right. It just blows my mind because today's games are so much more sophisticated. There's so much more going on with like the, the polygonal environments and the texture mapping, the bump mapping, being the, uh, the subsurface scattering, all that going on. But I still, I mean, it, it was it was nice to be able to just relive that time right. period and just play through it. So I played through like the the first levels of it, um, going through the 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 nineteen forties bar or what have you. Oh man, it was so fun! Or like I I remember like like when you would hold down the A button and then twirl the the D pad <laughs> yeah. back and forth to get him to start dancing. <laughs> if you let go halfway through, he would like like throw his hat. Right. And the hat would like boomerang back, would kind yeah. of go both sides and he's just looking all suave <laughs> on both sides. <laughs> yeah. And puts the hat back on like yeah. oh. Did you oh, did so you play funny. the game and everybody went like, "Whoa, Russ, you got skills." <laughs> you just picked that game up and already he's a master. They were actually laughing because I was dancing along with them. Because uh, you, you, you don't have to do anything. You just put the controller down and you have like about 10 seconds there. <laughs> yeah. Remember how like they would all like lean together? Yeah. And, it, and yeah. the, I remember like as a kid, like like I thought it was so smooth and I look at it now and it's like three frames. It's like, and they're standing upright and then they're 45 degrees and then they're a little bit more. <laughs> and then he does this little spin where he goes, whoo! 
And then they all like, like die, yeah, I guess, whatever. Fly out of the screen. <sighs> Such good times. Memories. Oh, anyway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you remember also, too, that if you would catch that falling star, it would like turn you into that robot. Oh, I totally and forgot then, like, about that. Yeah, it, which was also part of his uh, smooth criminal music video, which was pretty I, I awesome. Like, through and I had through. the VHS yeah. tape. That's right. For all you millennials out there, before there was digital downloading and before there was HD DVD or even DVD, we had VHS tapes. That's how old I am. But I don't remember where did where did that shooting star did it just like at random come down and yeah. you have to try and catch yeah. it? Yeah, you would have to catch it. Typically, you have to be on a, like an upper height, you know, level of some sorts. Like yeah. there was a there was one that comes to mind where you're fighting your way out of the parking garage or something. Yeah, okay. And uh, you have to get up to a certain level, and then that shooting star would fall. You have to jump and get it. And then he would turn into like this, you know, this big robot with lasers and missiles and stuff. <laughs> Imagination found that galore. Michael Jackson's Moonwalker. Oh, so good. Anyway, sure, I'm, just, I'm totally grinning right now just yeah. thinking about it. Um, hold on. I got to like, I got to hear it. On, I'll keep, say whatever you're going to say. I'm going to look this up on YouTube. <laughs> you got to hear it in 16-bit style. Oh, man. Well, yeah, and that was the thing, too, is the Sega Genesis 16-bit. I remember back in that time, right around 1989, 1990, uh, the CEO of Sega of America, I believe, I want to say his name correctly, it was like Tom Kalinske? who really acted as the shepherd for just pushing the, this, this notion of getting celebrities to endorse video games. And this is back in the day when you, th this was not really heard of at all. Um, but he was, he was one guy who like, he got Michael Jackson involved. He got Joe Montana for Joe Montana football. Um, he got Jack Nicholas for, um, the golf game. Um, Think of who else <laughs> I'm was looking there. at it right now. Keep talking. I'm watching it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it, but he also was instrumental too in getting Sonic the Hedgehog off the ground back during the whole classic Sega versus Nintendo days. Um, so yeah, it, it, there were there were quite a few games back in the day. I I, I almost regret. I, well, I do regret. It's not almost. I do. I regret selling my Sega Genesis because we had the Sega Genesis, Sega, you know, Sega CD and 32X mashup. Uh, just for nostalgic purposes, it'd be nice if we still had that. But here, you gotta plug this in. Yeah, <laughs> you want me to plug it in? Yeah, you gotta hear it. It's it, 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 it's it's saying everything that we just talked about. It's saying here. Let me, I'll, let me just pause it here, and then uh, I'll hand it to you. Okay. You, you're going to have to turn up the volume on the phone. Okay, let me get this set up here. Yeah, I'm going to have to turn this up here. Make side sure volume. Hear it. Why? Oh, I just took a picture of you and your woman. <laughs> here, hold up. Here, what? <laughs> okay. Oh, there you can hear it. Here we go. He <laughs> just flipped the coin oh into the jukebox. All right. Okay, now he's jumping like, you know, a different level, uh, different levels of the bar. He just saved the kid. Oh, man. Sega Genesis, baby. That's it, dude. That's what I was doing. <laughs> jumping over the pinball machines, jumping down the. 
Hopefully we don't get sued for that, but just, uh. hey, it's on YouTube for all to see. That's right. That's right. Oh my gosh. I love that game. Oh, so good. So good. Oh, it's so good. Anyway, shall we transition into uh, going into some gaming news? Sure, Russ. Let's okay. go. So the gaming news section is a bit scant, just Kind of what we were talking about before. I think a lot of the studios are gearing up for E3. However, there is um, some new paraphernalia, Ooh. some new content yeah. regarding Far Cry Cinco. Oh, I got some stuff to say about that, Russell. Oh, I bet you do. Now, have you seen the mm-hmm. the newly dropped character trailers? Uh, well, yeah, the, that sequence of like you know the guy with the with the plane and. Chicken you have in okay. The bar. Yeah, yeah. Um, I posted it to our Facebook. Oh, you you're such a dedicated employee. I'm so so proud of you, Steve. I'm on it, Russ. You're on it. You're like stink on poop. <laughs> well, what I'd like to do is um, be able to play through. There are three trailers that were dropped by Ubisoft, and uh, this actually sheds a bit more <laughs> light onto kind of like where the story may be going. What are you laughing about? <laughs> My mind is stupid sometimes. <laughs> sometimes you say Ubisoft, I think you're saying Boobisoft. <laughs> hey, we all know what's on your mind. How's it going, Boobisoft? Uh, anyways. Nice boobs, Boobisoft. <laughs> anyway, going back to the story at hand. So, Ubisoft. Uh, had dropped uh, recently three trailers of what I assume are the three, perhaps the three main characters of the game. So we're going to start off here with Pastor Jerome. And I'm getting these um, off of IGN just to give proper credit where credit is due. So um, some of the um, the dialogue is beeped out, which I have no control over. It's just the, the characters are uh, getting a little salty with their language. We get a little, little F-bomb action, so IGN has already uh, bleeped it out. So it's not a, a bug on our side, just FYI. Got it. Okay, here we go. Here, Here is the first, Pastor Jerome. Woe to the man who leads my flock astray, says the Lord. We were given so much. This land... This life, our freedom, what's left of it now? Our people felt abandoned, grew weary. They needed our help. And we didn't listen. 
but he did. Told them exactly what they wanted to hear. But those falsehoods, lies, his poison, it's driven them from pasture, from the righteous path. Woe to the man who leads my flock astray. For if I am not their shepherd, then I must be the wolf. You can, you can see at the end, as he's walking away, like his church has been either firebombed or burned out or decimated. Decimated. Yeah. Like it's 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 you know it's a condemned building now, <clears throat> and that's and I think that's not one. Ah! <laughs> Good grief! He got a little something Again, stuck man. in there, Steve. Two episodes in a row. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> Anyway, that one gives me goosebumps, and I, and I like that that one more than the others. The other ones are cool, also, and I'm sure you, you're you're gonna play them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one is is my favorite. Um, the cinematography and the the pre rendered cinematic was beautiful. I yeah, thought. The, and it's the pacing of it was great, yeah. and it's it's very well scripted. Um, but uh, you know, Far Far Cry is definitely a series that's well scripted, but it's also a series that gives you very hard and very Controversial decision, 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 decisions, decisions. That was good to make. Um, Ooh la la! And sometimes they make you choose. I mean, like, and Far Cry Three. If you choose a different path, then you just slaughter all your friends. For mm -hmm. example, like yeah. you know, that's that's the kind of controversial stuff that's in Far Cry. Uh -huh. So I mean, well, wasn't that, that the game? Like, uh, sorry to cut you off, but like, oh, you're not, Russ. You're right. I'm not sorry at all. Take that. <laughs> there was a Far Cry game that you were showing me. I think it was Far Cry 4 where you could literally just stand in the, the room that you begin the entire game at. And if you didn't do anything, then you get an alternate ending. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Far Cry 4, basically. I mean, I'm. it's a spoiler, but the game's been out for two years, so I'm just going to say it. There's an Easter egg where uh, in the very beginning of the game, you know, where the opening sequence happens, yeah. if you... Uh, and they, what basically happens is you're going to scatter your mother's ashes back in uh, the land from which from where you came. Yeah, and you you're kind of thrown into the the country's civil war, mm -hmm. and uh, pagan men is the guy's name who is the antagonist mm -hmm. on the other side of of the fight. And he, he's known your mother and he knows who you are and he brings you in, gives you this big feast and says, basically, after much dialogue, stay right here and try the crab rangoo and I'll be right back. Mm -hmm. And then it gives you the choice of, okay, you can get up and leave. You can go explore or spy, you know, whatever, whoever he's torturing and kind of get out and the story progresses. Yeah. Or if you sit there for like 15 minutes... And I'm not even kidding. You sit there and do nothing or just don't even leave the room. Mm -hmm. He comes back in and goes, hey, how's it going? Sorry about that. You know, and now let's commence and, you know, have some food and go blow some stuff up. And you have this whole alternate ending, which basically says that you're not going to fight on the side that your parents did. You're going to fight on the side that um, the other side, basically. Yeah. 
Um, now, originally, did you just stumble upon that, or did you read that online somewhere? No, I heard some people talking about it at work. Uh, oh, so I had okay. I was bored one night, and I thought, oh, I'll start the game over. You know, why not? So <laughs> I did, and I just I think I started playing games on my phone, maybe Clash or something, for fifteen minutes, and yeah. or read a book, and then all of a sudden he walked right. Back. It, it, it happens. The guy walks right back in. So it's a pretty original approach. I like that. Yeah, the, sto- say. the stories really are shoved into your face, which is. You know, definitely a good thing, but an unsettled thing. Like it's it's it smacks you. So we're gonna now listen to the second character, who is Mary of Far Cry Five. And once again, you may hear beeping. That's just because IGN had, had uh, beeped out some of the, the foul language. I grew up here, you know. Had my first kiss out back with some dumb cowboy. Almost got caught by my dad. He loved this place. It wasn't all easy. But he always made sure that here, you could speak your mind. And then they showed up. We're here to help, they said. He believed them. And then they took my mom brother. And dad was never the same. Now what? You want to take this place too? No. This place is ours. Okay, so that was Mary. I um, I really do dig the uh, the storytelling approach mm-hmm. that they're doing from a marketing standpoint. It just really no the, the pulls you in yeah. and doesn't let go, and you're just like, man, that, that looks good. Mm-hmm. And another thing too is, I just I really look forward to the day when gaming hardware is able to push pre-rendered quality graphics in real time. Like that would be the actual game graphics. Uh, we're we're certainly Close. You know, we're close. We're you, getting you, there. You watched Rise, Son of Rome. Yeah, we're getting and there. And it's close. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so let's play the final one, and then we can uh, comment on it here. Give me just a minute. Uno min- momento. No. How do you say it? Uno momento. There we go. Rusty Uno momento. Po, po, po. Po. There we go. Had a little bit of old brain fart right there. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, this last one is from the character Nick. She's a beaut, ain't she? All this time. She ain't never let me down. I just hope she's around when he's old enough to fly. Ooh, my boy. I mean, I hope it's a boy. I just want him to fly like I do. Not like my dad or my grandpa. They flew in the war, so I didn't have to. But now, I don't know if he'll ever have the chance. Not with these around here. People are scared, man. I may never have gone to war. 
Good Peggy's come after my family. Sure as hell, we'll give him one. Okay, so with that particular trailer, we see a character who goes by the name of Nick. He's in some sort of garage where he has his plane. It looks like it's the kind of plane I always forget. It's like a crop duster. Well, it looks like it's the kind that can land on water. It's a um, Cessna? Is that what they're called? No, it's not a Cessna. Well, there's there's a oh, <laughs> p- pontoon? Plontoon? Pantoon? Something like that. There's a name for it. Anyway, you see it there in the garage. You see him uh, working on some gear. You see the walls where like you um, can tell that, that he has retained his father and grandfather's military pictures and, and the memorabilia. Um, just, yeah, just memorabilia in general. And, and then you see him slowly put on like a, what looks like be like a rail gun or not, not, not a rail gun. Is it a rail gun? A yeah. A rail gun? gun. Yeah. Chain gun. Yeah. Yeah. Hooking it, hooking it up to the the, the airplane. So installing again, it, Russ. Installing it. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so once again, great storytelling. You're not really sure where he's going with the story, and then you see he's just preparing for the worst. Um, and I forgot to mention with Mary. Mary's in a bar, and you see her like acting like she's the bartender. And at the end of the video, you see that she's just making a lot of Molotov cocktails. So, um, what are your your thoughts on on those three trailers? Um, a little reassuring, um, because, well, let me start with this. You're going to spit, aren't you? I have to spit somewhere. I'm looking You've for a little You've got a loogie spit. on deck, yeah, don't you? What is it about your house and me hawking loogies? I have no idea. So marketing is, um, marketing did its job, which is to get people to talk. It created a buzz. Yeah. Whether for good or whether for bad, it created a buzz. And so a lot of eyes were paid attention to this. Right. The trailers are much better, I think, received than the initial teaser art. The was. key art. The yeah. key art. Um, because the key art, I went, I spent a good couple of hours and looked on Facebook what people are saying, and it wasn't very good stuff at all. Yeah. Uh, and I copied and pasted just a few. And here's the thing, and here's what what Far Cry 5 needs to look out for, because we live in a kind of a complex time where some people are sensitive, some people are triggered, some, sure. you know, and believe whatever you want to believe, but at the end of the day, we all need to be friends, right? We yeah, all everybody needs to, to respect each other's respect vantage each other, points. You know, go put it back a beer or whatever, you know, and just you believe what you believe, I believe what I believe, and yeah. that's that. Yeah. So here's the thing. So... I, I, I copied and pasted four articles or four, four articles. <laughs> I'm just going to read every article. Four, <laughs> Whoa. No, four, four some serious monologuing over here. Yeah. I mean, I can go on for days, but I just wanted, these were some that really stood out to me. So this, this one guy on Facebook, and I'm not going to name any names, obviously, but uh, he says, if this game allows me to shoot racist, sexist, prepper, religious, fundamentalist, succession, secessionalist in the face, I'm going to buy all the DLC. Yeah. You know, and then this other one says, if this game lets you fight the alt-right, then I take back everything negative I've ever said about this series. Mm-hmm. Like, and then this other one says, honestly, Ubisoft nailed it with the premise, the, the premise for Far Cry 5. I've always wanted to bow hunt the Duck Dynasty cast. And then this last one, F yeah, there's nothing scarier than white religious people. <laughs> and there was a white guy that posted it. 
Um, so, you know, you have all that stuff going on and you definitely, the game doesn't want to fuel that fire. That's not a fire that you want to fuel. Um, so in a way, you know, the game lets you choose sides and I get it, but, um, well, and we don't really know enough information about this particular right. version, the release of the game. We, we, yeah, we don't. Yeah. But from, from the marketing, this is the conversations, a lot of the conversations that yeah. are being started. Other people are just excited about the game coming out because there's fans of Far Cry and they're, and obviously Ubisoft is doing a great job with the marketing and the renders and, you know, game graphics or whatever it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, one guy said, and this is, this is taking it to the side as far as the story, a possible story is concerned. He says, notice no video game producers will touch a game involving ISIS mm-hmm. or other Muslim terrorist groups. A better and more realistic premise would have been a guy infiltrating a ISIS network and ripping them down from the inside out. But alas, they're weenies. Yeah. <laughs> weenies. <laughs> Gotta paraphrase. Yeah, paraphrase. Yeah. <laughs> and afraid to offend them. Uh, God forbid you have a game that captures radical Muslims doing what they do every day. Well, and I, and I think that's what the marketing department at Ubisoft was hoping for was to generate a, that dialogue just because if for nothing else, it gets people talking about the game. Right. However, I, I know what you mean. I, I've gone on to, um, a couple of the, the forums and it's, uh, I'm disappointed by some of the comments, not all of them, but some of the comments that I see on there that are just, I don't, I don't like to, to talk about negative things like that on the show very much. Right. So I just, I'll just touch upon it really quick here, but yeah, uh, I think one of the ugly things about it is, is that, um, it really brings out people. It doesn't matter what your background is or, what your heritage is or any of that. Um, you have some pretty despicable people in all walks of life. And it's unfortunate to see that kind of thing come up, especially in something like gaming, because gaming, you know, everybody likes to be into video games. Right. You know, gamer, it's, it's supposed to be an outlet. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a fun, entertaining outlet kind of thing to do. And, um, uh, it's just unfortunate. I think that, that, um, that is one of the things, though, unfortunately, about uh, the invention of the Internet is you have people. I mean, even even like actually um, playing online. I remember when um, I was playing like Halo 2, for instance, and, and um, uh, some of the the racist comments or the, yeah. the bigotry yeah. and, and just I mean, I I had heard yeah. and like, my ears had not heard quite a bit of what was being spewed, all of the, the, the toxic comments being spewed. Right. I mean, I thought that some of those comments were like not uttered since like 1964. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, it's, it's just, a, it's, it's an unfortunate thing. And luckily um, by and large, the, the gaming community is a fantastic community. It's, it's, you know, like you said, it's people just wanting to have a good time and, you know, they come from all walks of life and, and that's, that's what makes it such a, a rewarding experience. But yeah, it, it is unfortunate that when you have a game like this, where the, I can totally tell the marketing team went this direction because they knew it would be provocative. They knew it was going to be controversial and get a dialogue started because that just means that more people are going to be talking about their game. Unfortunately, you have people who are um, just going to take it a bit too far 
and um, and say some things that uh, are pretty mean spirited. So anyway, um, having said that, though, I'm curious to see like where this narrative goes. I'm sure that Ubisoft is priming uh, for E3. And so we'll be able to see a bit more information on that. If these are, in fact, the three characters of the game, it definitely piques my my curiosity, because if you recall in the previous episode, when we were looking at the key art, Um, I mentioned that it would be great to have a character that was also of the Christian faith. And in which case we have pastor Jerome here, um, who does in fact represent what Christianity is truly about. At least that's kind of what they're, they're suggesting in this trailer to go after those that are just using it to manipulate for their own evil purposes and that sort of thing. So there is a balance. It's not, right. you know, I'm, and that's what I'm hoping for too, is that there, well, is, it just, it just makes for a much more engaging, fascinating story. I mean, right. if, if you want to be one dimensional and just, and just go down this one path that I think a lot of people initially thought was the case, uh, it's just not mature. It's just, it's, it, you know, yeah. let, let's, let's, let's have it on both sides here. I mean, I think that's one of the things I really loved about the walking dead TV show is that you had characters who had, who came from different walks of life and you had certain characters that were more of that faith based walk. Um, and then you, and at the same time, it wasn't like they were just, Oh, I'm going to stick on this, this narrow path. And I'm always going to be like the, the straight arrow. No, I mean, they, they even struggled at times and, and had people who were perhaps not as strong, um, in the Christian faith as, as that character you know, was, was kind of known for quote unquote. And, uh, so yeah, I mean, it just, it's, it's all about relationships. It's all about the complexities of it and, and being able to, to support each other, that sort of thing. So that's like the only thing that I really found like you kind of cherry pick out, but, um, on the movie side of things, there have been, um, quite a few additional hmm, noteworthy gems to speak of. And so I think that this, this show is going to be, Focusing a bit more on the movie side, which is perfectly fine here on Joygasm. Um, shall I get started, or was or did you have any other conflict? No, 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 no. That's it. I want to keep it short and sweet, Russ, no. just like me. <laughs> you are very short <laughs> and very sweet, Steve. Thank you, Russ. <clears throat> okay, let's get started here. Ha, 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 ha. You like that, don't you, Steve? <laughs> Sitting over there gyrating. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. You like that one? Ooh. Makes all the honey weeks and the knees. <laughs> all right, starting off in movie news here, uh, Disney plans more of its animated classics to get a live action remake. Mm-hmm. I heard about that. So, due to the box office success of Beauty and the Beast, Disney has greenlit several other beloved featured animation films to receive a live action makeover. And the list is pretty impressive Aladdin. Winnie yeah. the Pooh, 101 <laughs> Dalmatians, which I thought they already did a remake of that one, but apparently they're yeah. kind of going back and doing yet another reboot. I'm not sure. Dumbo, The Lion King. Dumbo's going to be good. I don't know. Elephants? Dumbo? Yeah. Okay. Elephants, sure. I like elephants. Uh, Lion King, The Little Mermaid, Mulan. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah. Well, Peter, that's an easy one. Peter Pan, which Peter Pan... I'm I'm a, I'm a big they fan did of with Peter Pan. Well, here's the deal: Disney didn't do it. Steven Spielberg did Hook. That was a good one. That was fantastic. That's a great movie. Yeah. Good form, Schmee. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can't remember the actors' names now. It always drives me. Oh, it's oh Dustin Hoffman. Yeah, Dustin Hoffman with Robin Williams. Robin Williams. But who was Schmee? It was um. 
It was the same guy who was in Who, who Framed Roger Rabbit. Right. Uh, Here, hold that. Hold that. M-Dibbit, Steve. I'm gonna, Quick. I'm M-Dibbit. M-Dibbit. Listen to our hold music. Uh, <laughs> that's our movie news groove music. That's that's Bob Haskins. Bob Haskins. Bob Haskins. Haskins. How did I? <laughs> that's Dude. Bob Haskins. That's Bob Haskins right there. Bob Hoskins, that's right. Yeah, that movie was... Oh, Julia Roberts was in it too? <laughs> yeah, she was Tinkerbell. Oh, I, okay. So, uh, little uh, Joygasm confessions here. Mm-hmm. I had such a huge crush on Tinkerbell in Hook, specifically Julia Roberts. I thought she was so beautiful and so pretty and hot and everything else. I mean, it was just her whole persona that she was in there and she, and that was one of the few times you actually saw Julie Roberts with short hair and I thought she looked cute with short hair so I mean here I was I think the movie came out back in like 1990 I think I was like in like 6th grade 1991 1991 okay I was close so yeah 6th grade and uh oh just had a huge like kid crush on Julie Roberts in that movie you know who grew up Russ was uh little Maggie Little Maggie. The blonde girl? Kabam! Whoa, my gosh. <laughs> Hi. Hello, Maggie. Wow. I wonder if she could still sing that song that she had to sing in the movie, but only looking like this. <laughs> she could sing me to sleep. <laughs> wow, Russ. Beautiful. Anyways. <clears throat> Anyway, so let me see. Where did I leave off here? So you got, okay, Peter Pan. There's Pinocchio, Snow White, Sword in the Stone. Oh, that one's going to be good. I So that one is one that I'm, I'm looking forward to. I really hope that they do a good job oh, on Sword that. Sword in the Stone was good. I was uh, always a fan of the, the classic Disney cartoon, the, the animated film. I thought Merlin was always a badass. I still have it, Russ. The name's Merlin. And I happen to be the world's most powerful wizard. I, was, I like the little chipmunk scene. The chipmunk scene. The yeah. little chipmunk scene where he's, the, he he changes his pupil into the chipmunk, and then the other female <laughs> chipmunk thinks he's hot and was trying to get at him. It was always kind of a little, uh, I don't know, like like I enjoyed it, but just a little awkward because it's like, yeah. dude, that's a female squirrel, and she really likes him. Yeah, I mean, really likes him. Yeah, or it was. Yeah, <laughs> and then when, but the other chipmunk, there was a bigger, older chipmunk like Merlin, and she's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's like, that's right. No, you, I'm, I'm a very old, yeah, man. <laughs> he just like he jumps on him, hugs him, and kisses him. <laughs> <laughs> Ow, calm down, oh, here, bitch. Yeah, the, that whole thing uh, was really funny. Like just whether they were a squirrel or they were the fish. Remember they were they were swinging around on the moat. Yeah. Remember he was a bird? That's when the whole thing started to go oh, sideways. Oh, love me. Some Archimedes. Archimedes! <laughs> Fine. He's your pupil. <laughs> she only makes rules so she can break them. <laughs> remember, remember the wizard's duel? Yeah, I remember that. Oh, that whole thing was so good. Anyway, we'll see how that goes. But um, in addition to Sword in the Stone, they are doing a sequel to The Jungle Book 2. Oh, Jungle Book 2. Yeah, okay, got it. Yeah, yeah the, the, they did do a Jungle Book that yeah. came out, I think, last year? I, I think th- you're right, Ross. And then also a Tinkerbell standalone film. So, oh, and I almost forgot, Night on Bald Mountain, which was uh, part of the Fantasia 
classic that uh, they did back in the day. So I'm not exactly sure. Bald Mountain. That was that like. I think that's a nickname I, I have. I'm referred to as the Bald Mountain. Yes. More like the Bald Hill. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think that there's, there is quite a bit of potential there. Um, I have to confess, I have not seen any of the live action films that they've come out with over the last few years, but apparently, I mean, I know the Beauty and the Beast one was gangbusters at the box office. Um, they made, I think that they smashed records for the month of March. Um, but anyway, for Steve, what, what is your favorite Disney animated film? I got to ask you. Out of, um, out of all the, the classic animated films. I, 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 I would have to go with Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast. Okay. I I, I I had a little crush on Belle. Did you? I did. Growing up, we, I, we I, should I, have I love Belle in the future. We need to have. I mean, we maybe we could talk about it now. But I was thinking we, we should have like a feature or a segment in the show where like we actually talk about like all these animated character yeah. crushes. But well, we'll 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 do it for different episodes that way yeah. we can properly prepare for it. But. What what was about uh, Beauty and the Beast that really? Um, well, there's a uh, name something. I mean, there was there was a ton of stuff. There was, I mean, the art was very very good. They yeah. they they broke a a new milestone with like the way they did the library where they blended some of the computer graphics. I think it was CG with the animation. There, yeah, the ballroom dancing scene. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't so obvious that oh, this is computer animation. This is you know hand drawn yeah. animation. It was a very good blend. Yeah, uh, I love the music. Um, I love Beast as a character. I especially love Beast's. Uh, voice. I remember the sound editing was yeah, sound editing phenomenal. Was spot on, yeah, yeah. Um, spot on, I say. Uh, I I did like Gaston's character and and his voice. Yeah. Um, yep. But you know, as a kid, I always I, I grew up pretty shy. I was a shy guy, and the girls I was always looking for were like everything that Belle that that cap that. that, that encapsulated Belle. Like, yeah, Belle yeah. was smart. She, um, she wasn't out to, like, impress society. Yeah. Um, you know, she was very family-oriented. Yeah, loved you know, her dad. Loved yeah. her parents. Uh, she was extremely feminine without just, you know, completely putting herself out there, She you was know? a daddy's girl, yeah. Daddy's girl. I mean, Belle had everything that I was looking for in a girl, even at a young age. That's, yeah. like, that's what, like, that, that's who I want to marry. Um, <laughs> So I I loved Belle as a kid, um, but even even the expressions that they had on the characters' faces. I mean, you know, Disney can do anything with animation and whatever, but with the music and the word, like the scripting and the cinematography, as far as you know how they animated it uh, and the scenery, I, I I loved Beauty and the Beast as a kid. Right on. Yeah, Beauty and the Beast was. I remember as a kid going into the theater and just wow like being blown away by how epic the the presentation was in that film for me like i go back and forth because there are so many good disney animated features but i i i have to say sword in the stone is probably my favorite i watched that film more times as a kid and just got more out of it every, every time and actually going back to the archimedes yeah you know character every time when um there's that scene when, when Merlin says, man will fly yep. someday. I've yep. seen it. And like, he like uses that little toy airplane to spin up and, and like, he doesn't realize that he's spinning his beard into the propeller of right. the plane. Right. And so he goes, here we go. 
and he goes like, you know, running toward the, the tower window and, and it gets stuck. He's like, don't, 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 don't. And it goes down and you, and you hear Archimedes say, man will fly. All right. <laughs> yeah. Like a rock. Yeah. And you see it go down <laughs> and he, and then you see him lose it for like two minutes or he's just like, <laughs> like just going off on it. And in his face, when he does that, that big gasp, he goes, and he starts yeah, laughing I more was and more. Dying as a oh, kid laughing gosh, at that, so that was much. funny. Hey, look at this, because the girlfriend and I were talking about this the other day. <laughs> Excuse me. So, um, we we think that Belle and the latest Beauty and the Beast needs to be rescripted, and uh, I think we wanted her to be Amy Adams. Amy Adams. Okay. Amy Adams. Now, you see, this is a picture of Belle and Amy Adams, right there. Okay. So you see them too. Okay. Now, here, give me my phone back. Oh, sorry. Um, so then so if possessive. I if I go down to Belle and I forgot her name, whoever they have scripted now. Yeah, no, you I know agree. What I'm I, I think Amy Adams I mean, would have made a better one. Yeah. She, ah, Just look wise. Yeah. yeah. I mean, again, I haven't seen the film, no. I so I don't know how the whole thing worked. You know the thing, okay, if, if I'm being. Picky. You are. I, you know, I mean, Beauty look, and the I'm Beast sorry. takes place in France. France? Francais? Oh, oui, oui. Oui, oui. C'est la vie. Here, one more picture and then I'll let you speak. Oh. Bam. See? Uh-uh. Yeah, it, it doesn't quite work. Yeah, no. But see, the thing that got me was the fact that, um, oh, I can't remember her. The, the, the actress that played Belle in the, the current live action film. She's British. And so the, the kind of the, the British accent coming through, uh, it, I don't know. Uh, I guess an argument can be made that, well, you know, the bell, the bell, the beauty <laughs> and the beast animated film had American accents and as opposed to French ones, except for like, that was um, Emma Watson. You're talking about Emma Watson. Thank you. Um, the the voice actress who played Belle in Beauty and the Beast for the animated feature, you know, she had a, more of an American sound to it. So, so did Gaston. Uh, however, there were some of the the staff in the in the the house or the palace of of the Beast who did don on the, those French accents. So you, right. you got a little little taste of it here and there. But anyway, the next article I have here is that King Arthur the movie bombs at the box. Office. I told you. The big budget bomb, King Arthur, tumbled out of the top five in only its second weekend grossing an estimated $6.9 million, falling 55%. The Warner Brothers mixed fire has banked a measly $27.2 million to date. The period adventure cost over $250 million to produce and market, but will end its domestic run at a, uh, probably under $40 million. <laughs> $66.2 million dollars has come from overseas, with Japan being the only key market left to open. So I think that they're going to be taking a hit on that one. And now I, I actually saw the film. Tell us, Russ. Okay, here's my deal. Um, the film actually wasn't bad. Like, it wasn't as strong as Guy Ritchie's previous efforts, like with Snatch and with uh, Sherlock Holmes. The problem I feel like is that he strayed too far from his Guy Ritchie formula. You could tell he was trying to um, experiment a bit and see what he could do with it. Honestly, I think the film did poorly or is doing poorly 
because there was hardly any marketing behind it. And also the timing of when it was released was just off. Like the, the, the movie itself, I mean, like my wife and I went to go see it and we both left the theater thinking, you know, that actually that was pretty good. Like it wasn't like great. It wasn't like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 or anything like that. But um, it was still like an entertaining film. It was a, it was a good film. I enjoyed it. The cast, I mean, the acting was good. I think it was just... I think some of the way that the story was told was not done in a mainstream kind of way. And so unfortunately, I don't think that they're going to be planning any sequels, which I heard that Guy Ritchie was going to do like six films. Like, like, like there would be like six films throughout this whole thing to like go ahead and continue telling the story. And I just don't think that's going to happen now. Um, but I would say, I would say to folks, if you don't really have an interest in checking it out, wait for it to come out on Netflix or Amazon. Still watch it, because, I mean, it's still a fun two hours of time. I mean, and the cast is <laughs> is really good. Like, like there, there's actually some segments in there that are really good. There was a particular sequence in the film that was totally Guy Ritchie. Guy Ritchie does this thing with a script that is has so much snappiness to it it's it's undeniably Guy Ritchie, and you would know because you you like Guy Ritchie movies in the past too. I mean, it was you would totally identify. You're like, yep, yeah, that is a total like snatch moment or Sherlock Holmes moment. It's just something that Guy Ritchie does, and I wish that he would have continued that throughout the rest of the film. Because if he did that, I think that there would have been a little bit of a of a different outcome regarding the film. So that's what I have to say about that. Well, okay then. Um, I guess we'll have to wait for it to come out on DVD. Indeed. Or, or Net uh, Netflix or Netflix, Amazon Prime right, or yeah. the, just a variety of other platforms we can do. Um, one of the things I want to do is I want to play for the audience the latest Dunkirk trailer. Oh, do it. Yeah. Never I've, gets old. Yeah. I've, I feel like we, we you know, the main topic that we're going to be talking about today is us going on our bro date. Uh, to go uh, see Pirates of the Caribbean 5. And one of the trailers mm -hmm. was uh, Dunkirk. And I'm telling you folks, you lovely folks who are listening to this right now, Dunkirk is going to be movie of the year for me. I, I would really love to see if it could like win some Oscars. I don't know if it will, but I'm telling you straight up right now, if you have not seen any trailers for Dunkirk, you have got to watch some trailers. Um, I, don't know, I don't know if, Steve, you want to add anything while I'm queuing this up or not. I could add one thing, which is um, <clears throat> um, uh, <laughs> Netflix. You might be saying this later on, Russ, but Netflix is uh, coming out with. Um, remember the Dark Crystal? Oh yeah, by Jim Henson. Jim Henson. They're dude. redoing the Dark Crystal. <sighs> so what, Russ? I'm I'm conflicted with that announcement because the original Dark Crystal was just the quintessential Jim Henson experience. Right. Like, like Jim Henson was very He's gonna say something. It okay, so Jim <laughs> Henson really Jim Henson was one of the pinnacle figures in my life that really I, I realize I haven't really talked about like my background. Well, we're only much, on episode nine, Russ. So you got a lot more to talk right. about your we'll, background. We'll talk about it on a later date. But 
Jim Henson was one of the the real pivotal people um, who affected pivotal me early people. On. <laughs> <laughs> who affected my childhood and also affected just what I wanted to do for a living. And so um, he made movies like Dark Crystal or um, I think there was one called Witches. I think yeah. that was what it was called or right. The Witches, something like that. Anyway, and his studios made the original costumes. For Teenage Mutant Ninja Titles number one. That is correct. That is very awesome. correct. Yeah. And Jim Henson was based in San Francisco. Yeah. So, um, yeah, The Dark Crystal was one of those movies that back in the day, this is back before, like all you kids out there that uh, were not alive back in the 80s, if you haven't seen Dark Crystal, I highly suggest slash recommend you guys check it out because this film came out back before CGI was invented. So they had to rely on practical effects and you basically have these puppets during a feature length film and the, and you just get drawn into like, it's, you know, it's, it's a fantasy story. It's more of a fantasy oriented film. Um, but such a cult classic, like just, just, I remember being so creeped out by those like bird like creatures. They, every time you see them on screen, they always make that sound that (laughs) and just, yeah. Like, so when they say that they're going to do a a remake of it, I don't, uh, first of all, I want to know who's involved with the project. Um, But also I just don't know how I feel about that because it's one of those films that, it's almost like you want to just leave it untouched, leave it on the shelf and just celebrate it for what it was. Um, but that's just a knee jerk reaction. It may very well be that when they come out with a, um, a reboot of it or a sequel, whatever it is, perhaps they're able to to conjure something up that will uh, make Jim, the late Jim Henson proud if he was still around. So we'll just have to see about that. But yeah, dark crystal dude is I cannot recommend that enough to folks who have not it's seen it. It's the bomb.com. It's uh brings a little nostalgic tear to my eye. So, okay. Going back to Dunkirk. What has happened is a colossal military disaster. We shall go on to the end. We shall never surrender. When 400,000 men couldn't get home. Home came for them. The call went out. We have to go to Dunkirk. Ready on the stern line. What are you doing? You know where we're going. Into war, George. I'll be useful, sir. One of ours. He's on me. I'm on him. Uh. The ship's about to leave. Can you go? Torpedo! They need to send more ships. Every hour the enemy pushes closer. They've activated the civilian boats. Civilians? We need destroyers. Where are we going? 
Dunkirk. I'm not going back. Leo, they will die. You're weekend sailors, not the bloody navy. You should be at home. There's no hiding from this sun. We have a job to do. Turn it around! We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall never surrender. We shall never surrender. We shall never surrender. Where's the bloody Air Force? July 21st. Is that going to be available on IMAX? Yes, it is. Oh, good gosh. <laughs> oh, my god. Yeah, goodness. I have chill bumps on my arms after watching that. Like, every time I see a trailer on there, and I apologize that, you know, for the podcast of this, you're only hearing the audio. Uh, however, at the same time, I kind of like that because... Um, it allows your mind to kind of expand and just be able to like fill in the blanks as to what could be going on. And, and uh, not to mention the fact that it really pushes to the forefront, just how much effort went into the, the audio, uh, which just, you know, that's 50% of the experience right there. So um, we're going to have to have a segment when that comes out, just an entire segment to talk about that movie and as well as the history. Cause there's a ton of tr- that that's based on true events. Yeah, so for those who haven't seen the trailer or know anything about Dunkirk, Dunkirk was a location, and uh, back in the, in the 1940s, the there there were British uh, British soldiers that were stranded, that were trying to get home, couldn't, and the the German Nazis were um, coming quickly uh, to you know eradicate them all. And you, what ended up happening was that Winston Churchill from Britain, Great Britain. Um, sent out a call and and had normal civilians, just British civilians, use their boats, use their fishing boats and whatnot to go out and rescue troops that were in the water, rescue them that that were trying to get out. You know, it was it was a very heroic, uh, patriotic duty. And for average Joes, just for average combat people, veterans. No, not at all. And, and while they were rescuing these soldiers, you had. Um, a lot of the the Nazi planes up in the air that were shooting at them and dropping bombs and torpedoes and stuff. And um, even France uh, really sacrificed a lot of their people because they were trying to protect the Brits until they could get home. And so you have some 400,000 stranded um, men, you know, soldiers who just couldn't get home. And this, I mean, just it's, it's directed by Christopher Nolan and Christopher Nolan is seriously one of my favorite directors. The guy can do no wrong. I don't know if you guys have uh, watched his previous efforts. You probably haven't didn't realize it. You know, he did the, the dark Knight trilogy, you know, Batman begins, Batman, the dark Knight, Batman, dark Knight rises. He did interstellar. He did inception. He did a memento. He's done the prestige. I mean, this guy has just a wonderful, catalog of films under his belt already and just so to see him tell a story for that took place during the world war ii in the 1940s steve and i are both i mean we're just uh, july was it july 21st is that what, what the date so, was yeah it's either july 17th or july 21st i can't remember but whenever that date comes we are <laughs> so going to see it and within like, that week yeah <laughs> somewhere we're in there maybe we can try and score a preview night but we are going to go see it on imax that looks like it could be at the level of saving private ryan not going to lie. Yeah, totally agree. 
Absolutely. So, moving, moving right, right along. along. Ooh, stereo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, I caught up on my notes here. <clears throat> There's another trailer that we saw when we went to go watch Pirates, and it was called The Hitman's Bodyguard, and it starred Ryan Reynolds and Samuel L. Jackson. I think it has potential. It's slated to come out this August, and it looks kind of like one of those buddy action films. It was one of those trailers where, like, at the end of it, I thought, okay, well, it has actors who I always enjoy watching, but it's an unproven IP, so we're going to have to see how that all pans out. But I'm willing to give it a shot. I, I think that it, it might be fun. What do you think? Yeah, it might be fun. Maybe not in the first day. Um, maybe for a matinee, or we'll see how the reviews come out. Let's see how, how it goes out, yeah. Tom Holland which I'm not sure if you know who that is, but he is the actor who is playing Spider-Man in the upcoming Spider-Man Homecoming mm -hmm. film. Uh, he is set to star as Nathan Drake in the Uncharted movie. So Uncharted, you know, for the PS4. Right. Um, I, I saw some side-by-side -side comparisons of his face versus the character in the game. and There's some similarities there. It's pretty good. So I'm, I'm curious to see how his acting chops are in Spider-Man. And Nathan Drake always struck me as kind of a bit of an older character right. like older what age thinking, than yeah. what tom is but we'll we'll just see how it goes the final little tidbit here is that um marvel's silver sable and black cat silver movie sable? yeah um at sony finds a director so this goes back to what I, we were talking about in a previous episode about how sony has decided that they're gonna move forward with creating the kind of their own marvel universe even though they've struck a deal with marvel studios to let them use Spider-Man since Sony owns the rights to the Spider-Man franchise. I guess they're going to push forward and this is one of their their efforts here is that there will be a Silver Sable and Black Cat <laughs> Let me try to say that again. Silver Sable and Black Cat movie. Um, Gina Prince Bythewood will direct Silver and Black, uh, an upcoming film in Sony's Marvel Universe featuring the studio's host of Spider-Man characters. She will be the first African-American woman to direct a Marvel film and the first woman directing a Marvel-based film on her own. I thought that was noteworthy. Black Cat, a.k.a. Felicity Hardy, or I'm sorry, Fel Felicia Hardy, is a cat burglar while Silver Sable, a.k.a. Silver Sablanova. Man, there are a lot of tongue Strongest twisters in here. She's Is a war criminal hunting mercenary. Sawshank Redemption. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize. I'm like stumbling over myself with this. There's a lot of words that just kind of, woo. Um, let's see. In the case of Black Cat, a one-time love interest as well. So that's about all they have in terms of information, but I figured I would just do a little data drop on that one. We'll keep tabs on it and see how it goes. And that's about your, all the movie news that's fit to print at this time, Steve. So, well, thank you for that, Russ. Yeah, I figured we uh, get a little caught up on that. At this point, I would say let's go into our main topic at hand, which is the fact that during our bro date, we went and saw Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales. Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. The <laughs> <laughs> I never know if you're supposed to say Caribbean or Caribbean. It's, I mean, maybe it's one of those tomato, tomato type things. I don't know. I think it's uh, Caribbean. Caribbean? Yeah. Because, you know, fictional. I will say, if you're doing your movie trailer voice, it probably has a bit more presence to it. If you were to say, Pirates 
of the Caribbean. One pirate with one way. With one Caribbean. (laughs) (laughs) And a carabiner. (laughs) So I guess we could kick it off with just high-level thoughts in terms of, did you like the film? Well, I haven't seen any of the films after the first one. I've seen little tidbits, but I, the, like the, the second, the third, the fourth, I haven't, I haven't watched them all the, all the way through all in their entirety. So I've basically gone from number one to number five. Um, I, I think they did well with ringing, excuse me, ringing out any kind of, uh, you know, imagination with it still. Um, which, you know, plays well for them. At the same time, I was missing some of the swash bucklery as there was in the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they they have they already have the, the the characters and the pirates and the, you know and the and the evil pirates. So, being a pirate movie, where are they going to go from it? You know, right? Um, I'm glad that's not my job. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I I did like the uh, a lot of the scenes uh, with uh, Will Turner. Oh yeah, uh-huh. and, uh huh. And you know, just that that whole family esque thing. That like the beginning was phenomenally good. I thought, yeah, uh, phenomenally good. I thought, uh, and I liked the way they wrapped it up at the end. Um, I, I I I I could appreciate also. Actually, that- you know what? Before we say anything else, no, no. Here's the deal. Uh, this will be filled with spoilers. Hey, so okay, actually, <clears throat> man, I'm so glad I just. <laughs> Normally, I feel bad when I cut you off, Stephen. This time, I'm so glad I did. But uh, what we're going to do right now is just give people a chance to uh, leave if they want to. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> just going to uh, wait around for a minute here. Mm-hmm. Let people decide if they yeah. would like to skip out on this part if they haven't seen the movie yet and don't want any spoilers yeah, to be said. I'm going to take the time to blow my popasis, Russ. Oh, my goodness. That's pig Latin for nose. <laughs> You're just a pig. And I wouldn't have known that if it weren't for Curly from the Three Stooges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I think that's probably enough time for people to be able to decide whether or not they want to listen to it. <clears throat> so without further ado, Steve, could you please continue? <clears throat> well, I was I was glad that Will Turner's son wasn't such the badass that Will Turner was. Because um, just because, you know, you, you have offspring doesn't mean that they're going to be exactly like you. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the kid had a heart and uh, direction and and whatnot uh, to follow in his dad's footsteps, but uh, you know he wasn't the um, he didn't know how to craft swords uh, or sail a ship mm-hmm. or man a crew mm-hmm. or uh, fight. So uh, and in a way, I you know I, still I I missed the swashbuckling movie that the first one was, but mm-hmm. I could understand where they were coming from to take it from that different perspective. Um. And I remember when we were talking about it in a previous episode. I was like, "Is uh, is uh, Orlando Bloom going to be in it?" Or is, yeah, I remember uh, you asked you know, me Kira and I, Knightley, and you're like, "Nope." I'm like, "No, no, I didn't say no. I said I don't." Oh, know. you don't know. We'll have to see. 
And I'm glad that they still were there. It was good to see Orlando Bloom uh, again. And, you know, I, I really, it, it made me want to see some of the previous films because I wanted to know what got him in, in that uh, cursed state. Yeah. Um, I, I did like seeing that at the end, though, too, when, when, uh, when the curse has been lifted and, uh, you know, Will, uh, Will Turner comes to meet his son and all, you know, his son's new love interest. Mm-hmm. He's trying to place her, by the way. I know, who, was she the same chick who was in Captain America, the first Captain America? No. Uh, I'll look it up in a minute. I, I, I've seen her before. Anyway. I'll take a look while you're talking. Um, and then all of a sudden you see Kira Knightley and she's, you know, grown up and Orlando Bloom sees her and he had seen her for decades and I don't know. It, it, that whole thing, the way they did it. Oh, very good kiss at the end, too, I must say. It was a good kiss, Russ. Which kiss? The, the, between Orlando Bloom and Kira Knightley. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, was a, some, that was a lovely smooch. Yeah, sometimes you just have these old Hollywood uh, smooches, and other times you got the, the just passion-filled. And I can appreciate a good passion-filled kiss. <laughs> uh, I didn't have any tongue, though. I was a little disappointed. That's gross. <laughs> yeah, they had tongue, but no drool. I want to drool. No uh, tonsil hockey going on <laughs> with, for that particular kiss. Um, I, I thought it was a little too action packed. I will say that. I think they they focused too much on the action and, and not enough with the new characters. Mm-hmm. But then again, I mean, I hadn't seen the fourth one, so I don't know if Will Turner's son was in the fourth one. Was he? No. Okay. So. There's a lot of backstory that they just didn't really tell us. Okay, and then, you know, a lot of time later, this happens. Uh, so I think that's that's part of the curse, if you will, that sequels play is that they rely on the action to keep your your attention uh, and not so much of the, the, the backstory of the new characters they introduce to you. So that was kind of a downer for me. I'm just saying that's just personal. I mean, but just a lot high- of people can, can appreciate the action. Uh, just at a high level, though, like, did you like the film or did you not like it? I liked it. Um, I would say three, three and a half. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think that the, I would give it the same. Yeah. Between three to three and a half stars. It's it's nice, clean entertainment. I liked how... Well, the, the, okay. I guess let me... Let me finish... Let, let me let you finish... Uh, out your thought there now. You really want to run all over me, don't you? Really? You really do. I want to be able to take a steamroller and slowly but surely just take five minutes you. to roll me all over. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know what? Yeah, you just interrupt me so much. Go ahead and go, Russ. I'll chime in later on. Just go ahead and go with what you. Yeah. Finish your thought. Go ahead and go. Okay. So I definitely like this film more than the previous effort. I felt like the previous effort was a waste because there was so much potential and the execution was just flat. I liked how, um, I liked how, what'd you like, Russ? How, (laughs) why am I getting hung up on that word? I don't understand. Um, What did you like about it, Russ? I'm thinking, Steve. I'm, well, trying, I'm trying to gather my thoughts into place. Oh, you, you were quick to cut me off, and now you're taking all this time to add up your thoughts. Nice. Here we go. No, no, it's because I have a two-year-old that's screaming downstairs. That's why. <laughs> um, 
Uh, uh, um, brain fart. Okay. Plug In the previous a, film, plug into the Matrix to get your thoughts. Yeah, exactly. In the previous film, they introduced the whole Spanish realm. Which, if you think about it, in the previous trilogy, in the first three films, it was very much focused on the British and just how they commanded the seas and like how you had the um, the, the the Indian trade of the company or whatever it was. Um, and so I felt like they like they did a nice job of just coming full circle with that. And back in the day, you had three superpowers on the sea: you had the British, you had the French. And you had the Spanish. And the Americans. I'm no, Americans. I, I, I just had to say it. Like, <laughs> it go. Anyway, um, so when the when the fourth film began with having, like, the, the whole Spanish Inquisition-esque thing, you know, they were there in this world and whatnot, I was really excited. I'm like, oh, cool. We're going we're gonna to see this whole new culture be introduced. And with it, we're going to see all these... Uh, great characters that we'll get to be able to get to know and, and just, just, you know, just have this, this brand new experience as a result. And unfortunately the Spanish really took a back seat in the film. And I don't know. I felt, I found myself feeling rather disappointed just because I wanted to see a bit more of that. And instead we get this black beard character who, I mean, he was okay, but he didn't really um, demand my attention the way some of the other villains had in the past it was nice that they had penelope cruz in there uh but overall it was just i don't know i I felt like it was not the right execution for a film like that that could have easily turned into another three films so with this one with dead man tell no tales i feel like it's it's almost like version 2.0 of the last film where like they they kind of regathered their concepts and they thought okay we we need to do this the right way and um one of the biggest things for me was having them cast Javier, 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 um, as the villain, and I thought that villain was really cool. It was. I I like seeing you know after seeing um, uh, No Country for Old Men and having him being a uh, superior villain, and they just oh, did a crazy good job. Absolutely, no, no pun intended. <laughs> and then seeing this one being a different villain, but still a fantastic villain. Yeah. I don't know if I want to see him being the villain for the third time, but I definitely want to see him in more movies. Yeah. Well, what was cool about this particular role was that he played Captain Salazar. And throughout the film, you saw how, I mean, at first he's like this, this evil villain, supernatural character, what have you. And you think, oh, okay, well, where's this going to go? And then throughout the film, you realize he actually is not like a one dimensional villain that we we actually got to dabble a bit in his past before he became cursed and how he was actually more of a straight arrow. He worked for the my kind of the, the Spanish Navy and he was hunting down the pirates and whatnot. And then he got uh, kind of a, a patch of bad luck. And as a result, he and his crew were cursed. Um, so I, I really appreciated that approach because it wasn't just like, oh, now I'm, I'm supposed to hate this person. I found myself kind of looking at him going, well, it's unfortunate that the series of events transpired the way they did. And I still am rooting for Captain Jack Spatter and, and the, the rest of the crew, but at least 
it's a character that I find fascinating. And I think that that's, I don't know if Javier has some sort of um, creative wiggle room in there to be able to, to talk to the script writers, talk to the director and be able to do this. Cause this, this is kind of a reoccurring pattern with movies I've seen him star in where they, these characters, these villains that he plays are rather complex. They, they're not just kind of like, Oh, here's a spoon feed of, here is like, you know, the quote unquote, here's the character you're supposed to hate. Right. <clears throat> um, so anyway, I thought, I thought that was a cool character. I also thought that um, visually speaking, um, it was really cool. Just, just the, the approach they took with this character. I will say that some of the, um, the crew of his, I don't like the way that they masked out. Like, like you had some characters that all they had were like, arms with a sword moving yeah, around. Yeah, that was kind of dumb. It just, it screamed green screen to me, like just compositing. And I was just like, that doesn't quite, I mean, the other, the other crew members that he had were better looking. I, I thought it was, it was real striking with kind of like that black, white, gray kind of motif they had going. Um, but yeah, a lot of the cinema photography in the film I thought was really well done. Just a lot for the eyes to drink in a lot of great camera angles. I also, like you, appreciated the fact that they brought back Will Turner. You know, it was great to see Orlando Bloom. Even at the beginning of the film, it's like, all right. And I found myself realizing how valuable it is to have a cast with chemistry. Mm-hmm. Then, of course, that's, that's a no-brainer. Everyone kind of subconsciously is hoping for that when they go into a movie. But I do believe that that was one of the pillars of success for the original trilogy was that Orlando Bloom, Johnny Depp, Kira Knightley, Jeffrey Rush, all those guys, it was like this like perfect storm, no pun intended, um, <laughs> of actors that just fit their roles so well. And, and, the, and the characters were written in a way that everyone just thoroughly enjoyed. And so in this film, when you see like what you're talking about, where you see Will Turner's son kind of take the, the center stage and he meets this, this woman who plays the astrologer, or I'm sorry, astronomer, um, and her name was, uh, Karina. Uh, well, the actress's name is like, it's either Kaya or Kaya. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, she plays Karina Smith. Um, I don't feel as though the chemistry was as natural between those two as say Will Turner and Elizabeth Swan. True. Like that was probably one of my favorite love stories I've seen in, in cinema, uh, for a while. I mean, it was just so natural the way it progressed and you just, you wanted them to get together and it was fun watching them, you know, navigate the waters. Another <laughs> pun. Um, but it was just so fun. And I think that was the biggest thing was like at the end of the film, when you saw um, Will Turner reunited with Kira Knightley, or I'm sorry, with Elizabeth Swan, that was um, really fun to, <laughs> it was really fun to see. Um, that moment when she is uh, walking up over that, that crest and you realize, Oh my gosh, that's Kira Knightley. Cause the yeah. whole time yeah. I'm wondering, are uh-huh. we actually going to see uh-huh. Kira Knightley back or not? Yeah. Because Kira Knightley is just gorgeous. Yeah. Just She's one of the most aged like a fine wine. Oh, absolutely i mean she's just so beautiful and i love her acting chops too like just just she has a certain je ne sais pas about her acting that i just really it's just every time she's on screen i'm like yep i could watch this for hours this is great but furthermore watching 
Orlando Bloom and Kira Knightley on stage together. Well, on, on on screen, on screen. How about that? On screen. You're talking Even about the, the the production play, yeah. the Broadway Pirates? special of Pirates <laughs> of the Caribbean. No, <laughs> the, the the Disney World production of it. Uh, <laughs> well, sitting in the stands, they were only on screen for just a few minutes, and that was all I needed. Like it was such a payoff, which is so funny. But like when it comes to Pirates of the Caribbean, it was such a payoff to see those two reunited again. And I found myself like kind of looking back over at um, Will Turner's son and Karina thinking, where's your guys' chemistry on that? Like, like it was just like they were struggling the whole film to try and get what we saw in two minutes with these two. I'm thinking, man, that, that is proof in the pudding right there of how important it is that you have chemistry with the, with these characters. But I also really appreciated that they brought those characters back because both those characters were missing in Pirates of the Caribbean four. Hmm. And I like how in the plot they really made it um, a reality that they could bring those characters back into the fold for more if they wanted to. Right. I was. Um, I also liked how Jeffrey Rush's character came full circle. Let's talk about that for a bit. Or oh, should you mention the uh, little Easter egg at the end there, Ron? Well, we'll get to that in a <laughs> bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Let's not jump the shark. Man, I'm just hard. But um, bum bum. Shark. What about jump the ship? Oh. <laughs> um, when it came to Jeffrey Rush's character arc as Captain Barbosa, Captain Barbosa is seriously one of my favorite on-screen characters ever. Like, Do we have a code? Yeah, yeah. Jeffrey Rush just played it so well. And I felt like this was actually a, a proper send-off for the character. Uh, I It was kind of bittersweet because I want to see I can never get enough Jeffrey Rush's Captain Barbosa. I mean it's just he's on screen and I just grin in my seat. It's just the greatest thing ever. Um but I do feel that it was kind of a cool passing of a torch and he went out with such style. I, I just loved once again, I don't know what it is recently, but a lot of these films that are coming out, like Guardians of the Galaxy, uh volume two, when we, we talked about that scene, which we well, we we've already talked about spoilers and stuff like that, but there's a scene in there where um, there's a line of dialogue that, that basically talks about family and both Steve and I just absolutely loved it. Same thing here in Pirates of the Caribbean where um, there's that moment where she asks him, you know, they're, they're on the, uh, the anchor and all hell's breaking loose with the trident and um, Captain Sa- <laughs> the captain is, is trying to, to climb up the, the anchor, you know, with, with Javier looking all menacing and stuff. And she realizes that Captain Barbosa is not some no-name pirate. And she asks, what who am I, am I to am you? I to you? Ah, yeah. And he looks at her with a pregnant pause and just says. It's in his eyes too. Is it, yeah, totally Man, acted that, it in his eyes. That was eyes. good acting. And he just looked at her with conviction and said, treasure. Such perfect perfection script writing and just just, that is why i go to the movies that right there is a joygasm like like you know people ask me all the time why did you choose the name joygasm for the show because and of course you know you have folks who are a bit more um you know conservative and and all they can think of is orgasm i'm like okay joygasm is so not orgasm it's so different than that um and it's you know the best way i can describe it is having a joygasm is 
when you're playing a game or you're watching a movie and you get chill bumps on your arms or like the little tiny hairs get raised up on the back of your neck as a result of what it is you are witnessing. And it's just that, that, that moment that reaffirms why you are into movies or why you're into video gaming in the first place. It's just the greatest feeling ever. And that was one of them. What do you think? No, definitely. I, and I, for, for a split second, I thought, well, treasure's kind of materialistic. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, something you can hold in your hand and it's not real or not real, but it's, it's not living. Yeah. But then I thought if someone has that idea, they've completely missed the, the entire, what he's trying to say or what he's trying to con- con- convey. Well, and it was so because, appropriate because it yeah, was. Yeah, go ahead, Russ. What do you think, Steve? Anyway, go back to my idea. <laughs> I'm going to continue. Finish this thought. Give me three seconds. Because the entire movie, all these pirates are looking for treasure. It's the thing that means most to them. And so for him to say that to her, it's you mean the most to me. You are what I've been you know, seeking for my entire life. What means most to me in this entire world is wrapped up in you and nothing else matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to add that um, having the daddy-daughter relationship, uh, that is one of the best things that you can tell your your baby girl. Uh, it's just, just one word like that is just fantastic. So, yeah, I, I thought that... Um, Overall, it's a fun film. I didn't think it was as good as the original film. I think the probably the first Pirates of the Caribbean is probably my favorite. Yeah. Uh, but having said that, though, I do really like the direction that they took with this film. I was a little surprised, actually, that they, they killed off Javier's character as quickly as they did. Just I because I would have liked to have seen that turn into more of a trilogy. Um, and they seem to be kind of in this pattern because they did that with the fourth film too, where they, they killed off all the villains and then, uh, or most of them, uh, and then to kind of continued on. So I, I don't know that, that, that was one of the, the negatives to the film that I wish they would have done. But in terms of just the overall presentation, I, I had a good time. I had a good time. Um, I think they used, um, uh, what's this? Uh, Salazar saying, get the sparrow to, Often, man, he um, he had to say it like three times every action sequence. Like, I think your crew understands you're supposed to get Jack Sparrow. Uh-huh. We get it. I mean, we get it as the audience. But he kept saying like every time that he would, that Jack would slip from grasp, he would, get the Sparrow. Or even time they saw him on the horizon, get the Sparrow. I'm like, I got it. We get it. You know, I, I thought they used that a little bit too much and that started to become kind of annoying to me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was a little bit of that in there where it kind of felt like they were trying to reinforce the fact that he was Spanish or something. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but I did actually, for the most part, though, the, everything else that he said, I, I did I did love the, the Spanish accent. I loved having that in there. I like the effect that they used with his hair. Yes. So if you have long hair and you're in the water, obviously it's going to you know flow and, and look uh, very stringy and... But when he's not underwater, when he's not submerged and, he, and he's addressing whoever he's addressing, mm-hmm. his hair still moves. He has longer hair, but it still moves and flows as if it's underwater. Mm-hmm. That was neat. Yeah, that was really well done. I, I did enjoy that. That was a, a fun idea for it. Um, I don't know if, if there are any other... Okay, so... 
One of my favorite scenes in the film was when Jack was uh, about to get the guillotine and yeah, all of a sudden like there's a rescue that happens and he ends up twirling around over and over and you're seeing just that that camera angle of just following him almost like 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 what you would see on a roller coaster ride or something but you see the guillotine like almost come down and come back out again i thought that was pretty yeah, satisfying that was funny that was creative one thing i wish they would not have killed off like they did salazar so quick was the trident yeah i totally agree i was hoping that um, either it would survive and we would see more of it or perhaps even um, more, more of its power. Yeah. Well, I am seriously doing brain farts on this show. I apologize, but who's the character that, um, Poseidon, Poseidon, right. You know, I wasn't, sh- I wasn't sure if we were going to see Poseidon in the film or not, just because, you know, we, we were hearing about all this Poseidon's trident and like the, you know, the, how it can break all curses of the sea and all that kind of stuff. I wasn't sure if we were going to have that kind of moment. Um, I'm glad that we didn't. Um, if they were planning on having Poseidon somehow manifest. That would have been way too much. It would have been way too much, but I think it would have been good. I mean, again, I'm just, I'm just kind of going off on a tangent, a geek tangent here, but going um, into like more of a trilogy aspect, it would have been great if like we would have seen Poseidon in like, the third film where like he makes this grandiose appearance and all that kind of stuff. And just, just, uh, you know, have that, that there, uh, some sort of fantastical element to it. But, um, did you want to talk about the Easter egg now? Well, I just want to say that throughout the, the whole course of the movie, they're always talking about getting the trident. Yeah. And maybe think of Indiana Jones when they're looking for a certain relic, like, uh, um, uh, the Ark. Right. Mm -hmm. They talk about the Ark and all its supernatural power. And then, you know, when they finally find the Ark in the end, it's a force to be reckoned with. And it's this epic sequence of life and death and and whatnot. And it just seemed like this trident, which uh, uh, Will Turner's son and Jack Sparrow and Salazar are all talking about it. And they all find it at the end. And then it does some whirlwind stuff and then it's over and they break it and done deal. Like, yeah. that's it. Like, this is something that was legend and it comes to be truth. And now it's just broken and gone forever. And now we got to start all over with another enemy or another treasure. Like, that's it. It could have been so much more. I did also, I almost forgot, I really loved the island that they got to where yeah. all those diamond rock looking things were there and just the, the the idea of the star constellations being on this island kind of as a, almost like a mirror to what you'd look right. up in the sky for. And also just the fact that one of those ruby stones wasn't being illuminated because it's, it needed that fragment that Jeffrey Rush's character had attached to the book to give to her and let her put it in. I mean, he said something to her right then too. And I was trying to remember what he said to her. Yeah. I don't remember what he said, but I, I, I really did love how that whole relationship wasn't revealed until almost the end of the film. Yeah. And I liked, once again, the relationship between Jack Sparrow and Captain Barbosa, where, you know, even Captain Jack Sparrow knew the, the backstory of that. You just, I love how there are all these little skeletons in the closet kind of thing between the two characters. But I also love, too, just seeing this different side to Captain Barbosa, where normally we're used to him just being so swashbuckling and filled with quips and such a clever 
um, survivor being able to like wiggle his way out of the various situations. But seeing that, that side, I, I just, I liked it. I, th- I thought it was cool. <clears throat> Is there anything else that you'd like to talk about or should we go to the Easter egg? Mm. The only other little quip I would say is that it was a tad bit predictable. Yeah. It was, it was a bit, it was a bit predi- uh, predictable. Yeah. I, I, if I house all, there was this, the scene I didn't really care for was uh, when they were pulling the bank through the town at, at yeah. the beginning. I thought that was, that was unnecessary. Yeah. I like the idea of Jack's big reveal being in the safe. I thought yeah. that was great, but I felt like them pulling that thing through. I just was not excited by that at all. You know who I liked in the movie too, and they didn't show him enough. Is um, oh, is is the guy? Uh, he was from the uh, he's from Lord of the Rings. You know who I'm talking about because you elbowed me in the theater. Um, <laughs> I just like elbowing you. No yeah, matter really. What. Um, I'm gonna find him in a second. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, he was in 300. Um, yeah, da- David uh, Winham. Winham. Is that W-E- W E N H A M. Winham. Something like that. Winham probably. Yeah. I yeah. haven't seen him in anything for a long time. He made a good British he captain. Did. Yeah, he did. I, I I enjoyed seeing him again. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the, the cast in, in the film was really fun. I, I didn't have uh, really any kind of issues. I will say, though, that Will Turner's son and um, Karina, is that her name? Yep. Um, they were a little flat. Yeah, a little blah. Yeah, a little blah. There wasn't anything about them that really just set them apart and made, made them particularly memorable. Um, but in a way, it could have been just filler for what's to come. You never know. Absolutely. Um, the Easter egg portion, which, you know, if you go see the film, uh, we, you'll have to wait till the very end for it. I'm kind of conflicted. I don't know if we should talk about it or if we should leave something there just for them to check out. Well, I'll leave that up to you, Ross. I'd say say it. Not many people even know there's an Easter egg there. Half like we were only like like four people left, and two of them of the four were us. The rest of the theater emptied out, so hardly anybody knew even knows there's an Easter egg at the end. Well, but to be fair though, like we were there for opening weekend, so I'm thinking there are a plethora of people who have not seen the film yet. I'll tell you what, let's not say anything about the Easter egg. We'll just, we'll, we'll just leave it at that. There is an Easter egg. Make sure you stay to the very end after the credits because there is something there that alludes to um, what could be coming up in the... Something the more. <laughs> something amiss. In any event, I think that wraps up episode nine. I think so too. I've had a blasty blast. Have you had a blasty blasty? I had a blasty blasty blast. There's a lot, a lot of movie stuff to go over hey, and chat about. It's good. You know, it's good to get in the all movie realm. Yeah. Usually we're stuck in the game, so uh, it's nice to uh, sidestep a bit. Exactly. And actually, Wonder Woman is coming into theaters on June second, so that mm. will probably be That's another brody. <laughs> so we'll have to see how that goes. Um, maybe the wife will want to join us for that. I'll do, I wouldn't I'll doubt her. I guess we will uh, do what we always do and wish you happy gaming, bid you adieu, and say sayonara. Light up. <laughs>